You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Bonjour, Adam. Bonjour, Frankie. Welcome, everyone. <laughs> we are back for <laughs> mm. double fun. Not just one. Yeah, it's the Twix of sins, isn't it? Oh, I love a Twix, yes. So does this episode. <laughs> it's got a weird start. All right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> hmm. Double sin. Double sin. Hmm. Before we start, before we get sinful, doubly, hmm. uh, I have a couple <laughs> of things to read out. Okay, great. Hit me. Double. <laughs> I think we've um, double deck you. Oh, nice. Double, double. Boiling trouble. I pulled it back. Jesus. Let's just stop this. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Welcome to the labour. <laughs> that was a labour, wasn't it, to get to that, that point? That was, wasn't it? Yes. God for the power of editing. It was even longer. <laughs> <laughs> We've had a busy morning. We've had a busy time. Madam's yes. busy. It's a stressful old day. Yeah. Well, luckily you can unwind mm. now with some... Nothing soothes the soul quite like a bit of Poirot chat, so... Mm, that's right. And do you know what? Following on from our mention of it last week, I watched a couple of Jonathan Creeks in the past <sighs> week. Um, also, I thought to myself, the TV of my younger years is such a, you know, it's like a nice bowl of comfort mm. food. So I've also been revisiting, <laughs> should, I, should I admit this? May to December. Do you remember that? No. Okay. Um, Never the Twain. <laughs> I think these might be a bit after my time, to be honest, or before my time, rather. After your time. Before. Um, and after Henry. Yeah, the, I don't know any of those. Okay. But Are they good? Don't worry. <laughs> I like them. How many murders? Yeah, it's like, um, if you count Poirot, then probably no. Oh. <laughs> especially, especially in this episode. Cause, um, yeah, murder-free. 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 Yes. There is a sin or two. In fact, we know that there are two. <laughs> At least two, yeah. There are at least two, yes. <laughs> the Twix. Oh, good, we'll bring that analogy back up. It worked so well the first time. <laughs> well, let's uh, let's change the subject slightly with an email. Uh, so, are you sure? Because I've got loads and loads more to say about watching May to December and Never the Twain after Henry. Perhaps we could. Anyway, let's we go. could fit that chat betwixt the oh, episode. Seamless. Thanks. Seamless. <laughs> okay. It's like it was written by David Rennick. Oh, what else did he write, Adam? No, let's not do it. Okay, we're going to talk about emails. So we had a very mm. nice email from Phoebe. So, hello, Phoebe, first of all. Hey, Phoebe. Uh, she says, Dear Frankie and Adam, thank you so much for the lovely podcast. I'm enjoying re-watching the Poirot series along with you and some episodes I'm actually watching for the first time as my original watch uh, was just the episodes available at my local library as a kid. That's dedication. Yeah, right. Since I grew up in a small town in Vermont, it's not a huge wow. surprise that the library didn't have the full collection. So Vermont, add that to the tour list. We're hitting there. Totally. And I love the fact that I wasn't the only obsessed child oh. as, as a youngster no for sure you know so far it's me uh i can't remember who it was last week who oh it was louis wasn't it the, the son of that lovely yes lady who that's him, right who would have stood up in the back of the cinema and now we have another young person who went to the library excuse me <laughs> the latest episodes of poirot please very good here's my library card how very quaint how very uh how very perfect <laughs> Uh, she says, as well as thanking you for your terrific work, I had to drop you a note about the Davenheim episode, which I just finished listening to. This is one where I remembered the plot from having read the short story, but did not at all have the issue you two did. This is a bit of a spoiler. If you've not listened to our Mr. Davenheim episode and you want to solve it, mm. switch off now. But if you have listened, yeah. we're going to give a spoiler. Okay. I did not have the issue you two had with immediately recognising the actor in his secret identity. Maybe my facial recognition isn't as good for British faces. Maybe I was so dazzled by the architecture of the Davenheim home that I didn't pay much attention to Mr. Davenheim's face in that first scene. Whatever the reason, I didn't immediately recognise him. 
And so if I hadn't known the plot from reading the short story, I definitely wouldn't have guessed it the instant the actor appeared on the screen clean shaven the way you two did. I can absolutely see your point, though. And I'd be curious to know if I'm in the minority here of being easily deceived by a false beard. <laughs> so, anyone else listening? Does a false beard throw you? Are you often deceived? Oh, my facial I've hair. Several relationships with the help. Of I was going to say, beard. Adam, you're, you're unusually clean shaven today. What have you been up to? <laughs> I've been setting someone up for murder. Basically, yeah. I have to go lie to someone. <laughs> well, it's always good to have that in the back pocket. Uh, anyway. She says, anyway, thank you for the terrific podcast. It's always such a joy to see a new episode pop up in the feed. And cheers from Phoebe from Massachusetts, but originally Vermont. So we have to do Massachusetts and Vermont now on the tour. (laughs) Amazing. Thank you, Phoebe. That's that's amazing. That is very, very very cool. And yeah, well, you're obviously a very cool kid in the library watching Poirot. So there are three of us now. I would have been if I was of old age. You are a kid. We told you. <laughs> <laughs> hey, fellow kids. Cool. Uh, another email from Nissa, who has emailed a couple of times before, but she just said, uh, hello again. I just wanted to say that I love the episode, but would agree this did suffer from showing him at the beginning. So Nissa is not in the, the tricked by beard mm. facial hair it, crew. It's 3-1 at the moment. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Just jump forward to when Mr. Lowen arrives and his tantrum, she says, is the way to probably avoid that. That makes sense. Mm. Uh, I think yeah. because of the man with the twisted lip, I was I was expecting Mr. D to be alive. So I guess a, a couple of people have commented that, that it's very similar to the uh, Sherlock Holmes short story. Yeah, that's in the old um, opium den, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I remember that one. Yeah. Um, and she said, as to Jonathan Creek as your next series, I hope you will. So... We've got mm. we've got quite a few Poirots to get through first, but uh, maybe maybe we'll at least it won't be the end. Though, isn't that what we're saying? It will be uh, the J Cre- the J Creek pod after the, this. Do, do you think? <laughs> okay, we'll see how we go. Creek cast or something like that. Isn't it? Podathan, Podathan Creek, Creek cast. <gasps> we go at the same time. <laughs> wow, you see, this is why it's fate. This is why yeah. you see. So we're like the band N Sync. We are so in sync. <laughs> Okay. Uh, lucky us. <laughs> and the lucky <laughs> listeners, am I right? Well, they want it that way. Well, it's true. You're gold gluttons for punishment, but we love you for it. Um, we also had a few messages on our social channels. As always, if you're not following us, why not? Uh, you can do that. Lab- tell me why. Tell us why and tell us via the social channels when you go to follow us at Labours of Hercule. Oh, well, that was a Backstreet Boys reference, wasn't it? But you're mixing Backstreet Boys and NSYNC, Adam. They're not the same. <laughs> Aren't they? Well, Aren't they really? Well, yeah, fair, fair enough. <laughs> I never want to hear you say those words again. <laughs> Do you know I couldn't name an NSYNC song? Bye, bye, bye. Me. That wasn't me saying a song. That was me saying ending no, the call. <laughs> I know, I know who it's by, Frankie. I just still don't know. <laughs> well, we are. Ooh, okay, let's go back to Poirot. <laughs> oh, okay, it's going great today. Yeah, I know we're on fire. <laughs> Seamless, pure gold. I bet everyone wishes we were on fire. <laughs> They've set themselves on fire and it's preferable <laughs> to listening to us. A spate of self-immolation <laughs> crimes happened across the world. <laughs> they were heard to scream, it was the preferred option. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm team Daffenheim as the... Burn to a group. <laughs> like, I, pref- <laughs> I, I prefer a twirl a twel- to a Twix. <laughs> Team Twix. I'm damn defensive. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, okay. Ooh. Messages. Uh, we had a okay. lovely message from Ra- our friend Rachel, who asked... Mm-hmm. Hey, Rachel. Hey, Rachel. Has Hugh taken out a restraining order yet? <laughs> now, <laughs> I think I think that was targeting me. And no, the answer is he hasn't yet. So mm. fingers crossed. Keep that okay. restraining order free. That's funny because he has taken one out against me. Well, that's because you keep texting nice. him. <laughs> well, isn't it little he can really do? I told him we have to divorce before. You know, what? That, that, will, that restraining order will kick um, in. So. When did you secretly marry him? Without telling me, <laughs> to knock him out and all that. Kind of <laughs> it, was a, it was a process. I'm like, he's probably listening to this, and I do apologise. So sorry, Hugh. <laughs> we love you, please. So sorry. We love you. Yeah. Yeah. We love. Always love Hugh. 
another person has sent in this is um in the uk i don't know if they actually I think they do have this in america but i don't know if they have it in other countries uh craig asks what would you do for a red nose day poirot skit with the white haven four Ooh, all that's right a good one. isn't it that's fun white haven four mm. oh, that's a really good question what would you do i've been thinking about this because obviously i've had the advantage of seeing that question before you did mm. and i was thinking it would be fun to do a and make it kind of modern, but a Poirot Benoit Blanc crossover kind of episode because there's so, mm. there are a lot of parallels between them, right? It's two foreign ish characters with funny accents that people always take the piss out of how they speak and quirky characters, shall we say, and all that kind of thing. So mm. it would be interesting to see Poirot and Benoit Blanc of uh, Glass Onion um, and Knives Out fame crossing paths. That would be good, mm. yeah. What about you? Any thoughts? I need more time to think. I would like to see the Whitehaven 4 in like a spoof where he is the worst detective of all time. <gasps> I'm trying to think of who he could play. It'll come to me. Like a, like a Inspector Clouseau kind of thing. But he's, he works out in the end. Why has no one tapped the Whitehaven 4 to do this before now? It's insane. Yeah. It's sat there in front of people. You don't know what you've got till it's gone. Reuniting them. Yeah. I know, right? We'll write to Lenny Henry after this and see what we can do. <laughs> yeah, getting that happening. Dear Leonard. We <laughs> Leonard of Henry. <laughs> we request uh yeah, that is a great question though, Craig. Thank you. Mm. Really, really good. Yeah, that's a great question. Somebody just said so Nana Nanny sixty five. Nana Nanny. I wonder if she's a grandmother. I wonder. <laughs> or a nanny. <laughs> professional nanny. Uh, she says, assuming a she, how great would it be to have the Fab Four on your show? I mean, bit of a trick I, question. I'm a big fan of the Beatles. Oh. I really am. Oh, uh, no, that would be, I mean. We're trying. That would be the drip. Well, I mean, yeah, let's just say we're trying. So, yeah. <laughs> we're doing our benefits. <laughs> we're very trying, according to their well, agents. According to today's episode. <laughs> let's not send them this one as an example of why they should. <laughs> you spent the first 20 minutes talking about Twixes. And the Backstreet Boys. <laughs> Another episode from now. I'm I'm really sorry if I mispronounce things and I apologize your name. So Bahir Zavari Zavari Zavari. Let's go with that. I'm really sorry. I'm really I, sorry. I love how you're looking at me for approval. <laughs> so, you know. Just a raise of the eyebrows. What do you think? I'm really sorry. I'm really sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. She asks, how often do you rewatch an episode of Poirot? Uh well I mean we yeah I mean all the time yeah, basically. I, I probably watch three or four episodes a week yeah easily same because um I like to cook uh, as I know you do yes and, uh, yeah having Poirot and the White Haven Four as your company while you cook is probably my favourite thing in the world pretty great pretty great mm. for me it's the perfect just if you're you've got nothing to do with quiet evening sitting around the house Sunday afternoon it's just mwah, chef's kiss perfection mm. yeah. And also, when I if I've been away somewhere, if I've been out a lot, that's what I watch to bring me home to make me is relax. It? It's magnifique, isn't it? It is magnifique, tray magnifique. It's mag, it's magnifique. <laughs> Magnification. <laughs> uh, and <laughs> moving on swiftly from that. Uh, and it's magnificent. No, yeah. Very good. Uh, <laughs> stop <laughs> it. What's wrong with me? It's like, go on. It's fun. I'm enjoying it. We also had, um, so I want to give a little shout out. So Peschel Press, they commented on our, one of our Instagram posts and they've commented on a few. And I'm going to confess something to you, Peschel Press. I get a bit starstruck every time you do. The reason why is because they have a very incredibly detailed blog all about Poirot. They have so, they cover every single episode on their blog and they had done, this has been up for years, their blog. And they have, they have their, they post their own photos. They write a lot about Agatha Christie. Uh, it's a married couple and they do books and things. So every time they do, I get a little bit like, oh, it's special press. Because I, I often look at your blog and, and look at your lovely pictures that you have taken from episodes. So thank you for listening and for commenting. Because as I say, very big fan over here. Are they the people that are constantly asking us to promote things on the <laughs> Special Press would never stoop to reality <laughs> records. I don't need that that kind of promotion. But Special Press commented on a picture that we shared on in our Instagram saying, every time I see Miss Lemon, I think of how good a series devoted to her teaching budding secretaries uh, while solving crime would be. 
And I said, mm -hmm. my genius thing, I, just to toot my own horn for a second, because it was one of my better puns. After all the terrible ones today, I feel like I need to reprove my <laughs> skill. I said the show could be called Lemonade. Oh, that's good. That's good, right? You'd watch that, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I like Lemonade. Lemonade. Yeah. So there's a, yeah, and they could have Lemonade the while lemonade. they work and solve the crimes and do the filing mm. and stuff. <laughs> and they could go and see Live Aid. While doing <laughs> and they could put Band-Aids on any injuries that are sustained and it can star adrian edmondson okay <laughs> <laughs> wow okay. okay so yeah thank you thank you special <laughs> press and thank you to everybody that sent in messages and comments we love to receive them so please continue to do so you can email us at bonjour at the labels of com, or you can send them via our social channels mm. It's, it's really cool that everyone is still getting in touch. We get loads of messages, don't we? Yeah. It's really fantastic. Because everyone is super engaged. And I think if you love Poirot, you want to talk about it. And that's why these are our people. They get it. Exciting sort of development as well. Um, Frankie and I have, have been talking and we think it would be a great idea to start something. Well, not start something. Create a sort of recipe book mm -hmm. slash cocktail guide slash all things like food related and part because we love food so much yeah so watch out for this it's coming very soon we've got some great ideas already haven't we yeah so, don't say very yeah, soon so, um, because you have the busiest time of your life coming up so in the well, future i want to say very soon the year will definitely begin with the two <laughs> won't it? you've heard it here first everyone 2055 is going to be the year that the cookbook <laughs> drops so get your pre-orders in <laughs> to tie in with our new show the potterton creek cast <laughs> <laughs> yeah that will be exciting i think we've definitely mm -hmm. got the the hunger for it <laughs> crickets i mean it's no twix joke. no sorry <laughs> yeah it's hard to reach the lofty heights of the twix yeah <laughs> that's that the pinnacle <laughs> the, the, all the bye-bye anyway so uh shall we get into it I think we should. I think we should too. I'm really sorry <laughs> really about this. Think we should. <laughs> Everyone skipped. It's fine. No one's listened to this bit. <laughs> cool. Here we go then. Double sin. Adam. Yeah. Tell me what the White Haven Four are doing. Well, Miss Lemon is having trouble with Mr. Dicker, which. <laughs> 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 if he could have any kind of drink, he'd have a bit of lemon. Oh, uh, I think he wants a squeeze of lemon. I oh, we are off the cuff humour. Off the cuff humour that we Woo. have not rehearsed at, oh, for one moment. Not at all. We're waste wow. a drop. So, yeah, Mr. Dicker. So, Miss, Miss Lemon. Gonna <laughs> <laughs> call him anything. I think it's quite apt because he is a mm. he is a massive dicker, I would argue. <laughs> or at least attempted. <laughs> total dicker head. He's trying to get his dicker in. <laughs> oh, he's trying to dicker. <laughs> so sorry. <laughs> I'll tell you what, but we're gonna have to put a content warning on double sin. Anyway, everyone's just going to think it's porno. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> iTunes. Can we put um, an explicit content sticker or label on the episode image <laughs> like they do for albums, rap, for rap albums? <laughs> Can we put a picture of us going... <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, anyway, Mr. Dicker. Uh, she, Miss Lemon loses her keys because Mr. Dicker <laughs> is just... <laughs> Whew, grow up is a and i'm talking to myself not you uh he... this must be killing you as the queen of all puns you've got dicker you've got lemon you've got squeeze you've got what <laughs> uh yeah i will uh i will it's like ants crawling all over your brain it's moment. like you can see inside my mind i'll get all that out later on that will be fine uh so anyway mr dicker miss lemon's lost her keys because she gets distracted by annoying children trying to get money and mr dicker buzzing around her while she's trying to get on with her stuff. Well, I've got a lot of work to do. You know, I don't know what their parents can be thinking about. Oh, indeed. Well, duty calls, Mr Dicker. Yes. Well, uh, if you have any trouble, you just come to me. So, that's Miss Lemon's plot point throughout the episode. Yeah. She's looking for her keys. 
Miss Lemon is being sexually harassed by Mr. Dicker. It's yeah. not the most comfortable situations for her. But yeah, so she's having he, trouble with oh, Mr. Dicker. There's that bit where he, t- he walks away, he turns to the camera, he licks his lips after Ew. speaking to her. So gross. I mean, I can't blame him because she is obviously, you know, she's hot stuff. She's an attractive mm-hmm. lady. I get it. But also, dick off, Dicker. Leave Miss Lemon alone, you absolute creep. <laughs> so Poir off, you. Yeah. Um, Poirot and Hastings, meanwhile, are out mm. in the park in the pouring rain because it is November, isn't it? Yes. Well, it's meant to be anyway. Sure. Um, they're out in the park in the pouring rain and Poirot is in a terrible mood. He believes that he is finished. I am finished, Hastings. Finished? Yes. I shall retire, I think. Yeah, so Poirot's, Poirot's thinks he's he's finished. He's wrapped up and... And Hastings is doing his best to tell him he's still at the height of your powers, Poirot. But he's uh, he's really down. He's really in a very bad mm. mood today, old he's Poirot. He's a terrible time of it. Someone's called him middle-aged as well. How <laughs> dare they? That's damned offensive. <laughs> damned offensive. You're damned offensive. Good gracious me. Dirty swine Dirty would call swine. him that. Dirty swine. Yeah. yeah right. <laughs> he needs the, a nice plate of boiled owl. <laughs> or a stuffed fish. Cool, Beth. <laughs> Do you think anyone else remembers those apart from us? No. No, probably not. Sorry. If no. All the listeners we used to have before this episode, <laughs> yeah, they would have known. The ones that we lost at 10 minutes into this episode, do you Yeah, mean? yeah I, remember, ones, I remember them yeah. well. They came from all over the place. <laughs> oh, are we going to have to uh, cancel the uh, damn defensive tour now? We've got nowhere to go. No one wants that. We can still do it. We'll just be the only ones there. That's all. That still sounds fun. Yep. <laughs> yeah, Poirot's feeling rubbish and Hastings is talking. He's very concerned. He talks to Miss Lemon about it, who's still, she's got her mind on her keys at the moment and mm. dicker on the brain. And so now, <laughs> perhaps with an element of deflection, shall we say, Poirot suggests to Hastings that he's going to take him on a little trip because Hastings is in a rut and he needs mm-hmm. a little holiday to get him out of his slump. So... <laughs> <laughs> He's taking him on a trip to the beach. I'm going to take you to the seaside, Hastings. Your little grey cells are exhausted. You are in need of the complete overhaul. Miss Lemon, my tea's on, if you please. Yes, he is on the beach. (laughs) And as you've put here, he's perfectly... He perfectly suits the beach, doesn't he? In yes. His trench coat. <laughs> yeah, it's a bold choice to wear a trench coat on a beach, surrounded by children. <laughs> but they've come to the seaside for a little getaway, seemingly at random. They've chosen mm-hmm. this location, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Thing is, we then make a discovery. Uh, someone is performing nearby. Aren't they, Frankie? Well, they are indeed, <laughs> and it's not. And it's not Mr. Dicker. Inspector Jaff is giving a lecture? I say, look at that. My Greatest Cases, a lecture by the renowned Chief Inspector James Jaff of Scotland Yard. Well, we are not interested, Hastings. We have other fowl to fry, huh? No, 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 I'd like to hear that. Admission, one shilling. Oh, mon dieu, that is a lot of money to hear the Chief Inspector Jaff. <laughs> Women's Institute, Sandringham Street, Thursday, 8.30. Fancy old Jaff being up here. So now we're getting a little bit more context for A, Poirot's bad mood and B, why they are in the happen, just happen to be the area where, where Jap's giving his lectures. Mm. Uh, Hastings suggests that they go to Windermere. That will yeah. sort your head up, Poirot. Poirot um, uh, agrees. and um, But the only problem is to go on this journey, they have to travel on a bus, which um, is probably the cutest thing about this episode. Poirot and Hastings taking a bus ride along with a load of other passengers who are on this night journey. And there we meet a very rude fellow with a moustache, because aren't they all? Well, indeed, well, a man who's at least attempting a moustache. There's a light hmm. sick burn from Poirot because he barges <laughs> past Hastings. I say, what a rude fellow. You rather interested me. Well, if sheer bad manners interest you. He interested me because he was growing the moustache. And as yet, the result is poor. You do notice the most extraordinary things, Poirot. But the growing of the moustaches and art hastings. I have sympathy with all who attempt it. He drops that 
that famous line, doesn't he, that everyone kind of knows. And I think your friend Edith sent in as one of her entries to do an impression of Poirot at one point. I don't... Did she do that one? The growing of the moustache is an art, Hastings, that one? I'm I'm fairly sure. I mean, if we had any listeners, they'd be able to tell us. But I could if ask you remember... I, the woman herself uh, and ask her to recreate it for us for this episode. Yeah, do it. In fact, do it. perhaps I will. Uh, the growing of the mustache is an art I have a sympathy with all who attempt it. We cut across to meet Miss Durrett, who's a young lady, and she is working for her aunt for in her antique shop. And she has got a set of antique Napoleon miniatures um, with hair in the back of these, <laughs> yeah. which is really creepy and horrible. They it? love all that. The Victorians and stuff love hair, especially they in their... They love a bit of voodoo, don't they? they yeah. it, it's, that, it's the morning jewellery that always has hair in it. It's the idea, I suppose, of keeping a, a physical aspect of your loved one. These miniatures are being packed carefully into a case and younger Miss Durrant is taking them somewhere so that they can be sold. So it's very, very sort of, you know, it's very, they're packing them very carefully. She's being entrusted are you sure? with this. Is it going to be okay? Yeah. Very nervous. Okay. Just so happens she's on the blooming bus with Poirot and Hastings and rude man with a moustache. Can you think of better bus company than Poirot and Hastings? Because I can't. Mm. Or just company in general in life, but particularly on a coach. No. No, because there isn't better. Mm. That's the reason why you can't think of anything. Do you reckon Poirot's moustache, when they go rebump, sort of <laughs> waggle? <laughs> <laughs> he needs like a little moustache bra to just keep him <laughs> Do you think he in. tapes them to his lips? That that I imagine he has to when he goes in the, the Lagonda or any of the open top cars. He probably has. You know how they, they uh, hold Hollywood actors and tie scarves around their heads to keep their hair? Mm. Like, so he has yes, to tie I a do, little yeah. tiny... Scarf around his moustache to <laughs> keep it all neat. <laughs> oh, <laughs> adorable. But uh, Miss Doran, despite the fact, I'm going to say, that she's on this very sensitive mission to deliver these very expensive uh, mm. miniatures, is very bloody loose-lipped about it on the bus, I have to say. She's talking very loudly about how they're very valuable, about how she's about to sell them to this American guy for... A lot of money. And, you know, she's very nervous about traveling back with all this cash and everything. But not so nervous that she's not going to mention it loudly enough for the whole bus to to hear. Everyone. Yeah. Even when they stop for tea and, you know, it's all that's all they can talk about. It's all she can talk about. Everyone in the world, everyone, especially everyone on the bus knows that these very, very, very valuable miniatures are on the bus with them. Yeah. On the bus. Again, you're bringing up old sitcoms on the buses. (laughs) You're always doing that. It's not what I watched. I know. <laughs> I'll get you my way. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, Miss Dorrant basically works for her aunt and they have a business where if somebody wants a certain antique, they will find it and then the, Miss Dorrant now will be the one to deliver it because her aunt, uh, Aunt Elizabeth, is in a wheelchair and can't travel or anything. So Miss Dorrant is like the leg man of the operation, to, for want of a much better phrase. So that is why, that's what's happening. And mm. as you say, they stop off at a little pub, which is very nice. Mm. They have beer and breakfast. All that stuff. Breakfast ale, perhaps, or depending mm. on the time of the trip, lunchtime ale. <laughs> <laughs> she um, also blurts out to Poirot that she's selling them to an American collector and they're mm. going to meet in Windermere and he's going to give her £1,500 in cash. And she's so loud about the fact that she, when she was on the way home, she's going to have £1,500 in cash in her bag. Yep. Goodness gracious me, she's, she's the worst. She is, yeah. She's not good at incognito, old Miss Durrant. Mm. When they're stopping off having their breakfast, pint, ale, whatever, what ails them, uh, at the pub, and Miss Durrant's looking out the window, and she suddenly gets very nervous and then runs outside and they, they don't know what's happened, but she when they catch up with her later, she reveals that she thought that somebody was running off with her suitcase. Turns out, old poor moustache, as I've taken to calling him in my notes, uh, had the exact same suitcase as her. I'm so sorry, rushing off like that. I was worried about the miniatures. I thought I saw a man taking my suitcase out of the coach. I went flying after him and it turned out to be his own. I felt such a fool. So your case is all right? Oh, yes, it's still in the boot. His was exactly like mine, though. What man was it, mademoiselle? It was that man who was so rude. You know, the one with the sort of moustache. That is quite curious. Why did he want his suitcase? He's staying here in Ripon. More curious and more curious. 
what are the chances that this guy had the exact same suitcase as Miss Doran? But luckily, mm-hmm. she's checked and her bag is in the boot of the coach. All is well. <gasps> or is it? No, really. Foreshadowing. <laughs> So they finally get to Windermere after they stopped off in a place called Redburn. That was where the pub was. Now they are in Windermere and Hastings is unpacking his luggage when suddenly there's a knock at the door and it's Miss Durrant. Oh, I'm sorry. The most awful things happened. What? They've gone. The miniatures? Come and look. Oh, my God. The miniatures Mm. are gone. Who could have Mm. foreseen this happening? That's one sin. One, mark your cards, everyone. Uh, who could have seen this happening apart from every single person on that bus and every single person mm-hmm. watching the episode? Yep, the flipping miniatures, they're gone. So what's going to happen now? She's got to go back to her aunt and explain. <sighs> She's a little bit oh, crying. But, mm. and we all know what happens when a mm. woman cries in front of Hastings. Knight in shining armour Hastings is activated and he will rise from this to help help a damsel in distress because he is the loveliest, kindest, sweetest man in the whole world. And which is why hopefully he won't ever get that restraining order out on us because he's very nice. Thank you, Captain Hastings, Hugh Fraser. Uh, So (laughs) Hastings is like, well, obviously we're going to help you find this. Don't worry about it. You know, Mm. I've got Poirot with me. Oh, look, Poirot just happens to be passing by at this exact moment. Great. Poirot, Mm -hmm. let's help her. But Poirot says... Poirot... Don't worry, Miss Durrant. You stay here. We'll sort things out. What are we going to do? Mon ami, I am Hercule Poirot, detective retired. I cannot help you, I'm afraid. <laughs> yeah, Poirot's so depressed that he just can't help her. You know, he's the detective retired now. And he cannot help her anymore. He's just out of the game. So Hastings, being the jolly good lad that he is, says, Don't worry, I'll help you find the miniatures. So we're back with Captain Hastings solving crimes again. This is two in a row. <sighs> he's on a streak, sort of. He is. Kind of the same streak, let's just say. <laughs> I wish you'd streak for us all. <laughs> I'd like to see. Uh, yeah, so Detective detective Captain Hastings, as he's actually entitled for this, is on the case. And he's got the help of the lo- two of the local bobbies, shall we say, from the Windermere area to, to assist him. I wouldn't say they're the most efficient police force, but they're what he's got and he's going to give it a bloody good go. Hastings and the bobbies journey over to see Mr. Wood, the American, who was going to buy the uh, miniatures. And he says that, well, he has bought the miniatures. Dun, dun, dun. bit of a twist someone has turned up there with the miniatures taken his 1500 quid and gone off and he assumed it was miss durrant so uh we're in a bit of a pickle now because mr wood doesn't want to give up the miniatures he's just paid for whereas he kind of has to because they're stolen property they're evidence in the case yeah hastings and the police take them away and he is furious but he gets a receipt right yeah, he gets a paper receipt, which we all know is as good as money, effectively. Uh, and also, he gives a little bit of a description of the lady that he uh, that sold him the miniatures. And she's quite a distinctive-looking character, by all accounts. We'll need a description of this woman too, sir. Description? Oh, is she young? Pretty? No, sir. She most certainly was not young. Or pretty. She was tall and elderly. Gray hair. She had a blotchy complexion and a budding mustache. Siren, not in your life. My goodness me. There's a lot of moustache chat in this episode, isn't there? (laughs) (laughs) She's tall, she's elderly, with grey hair, a blotchy complexion, and a bloody moustache. I wrote in my notes, I couldn't tell you, I think it is bloody, but it could have also been budding. But either way, it's not complimentary (laughs) on the lady. And yeah, apparently she arrived at the hotel to sell the miniatures via the hotel ferry because we find out after this as well that was, I don't know if anyone's ever been to Windermere, by the way, beautiful part of the world. Uh, but you, to get to where the hotel is, you have to get a ferry from the train station. There is a boatmaster that confirms that he picked up the very, uh, what's the word, uh, recognisable elderly tall lady with the blotchy face and the the budding slash bloody moustache. That was seems to be what happened. 
Mm. Who is this mysterious woman? Mm. And where have we seen a moustache before in this story? <gasps> dun, dun, dun. Mm. Dun, dun, dun. Also, <laughs> interestingly, as we've kind of now noted, and what Hastings points out also is that the rude man that we now know, uh, the poor moustache man, left the coach trip at Redburn, where the coach stopped. So Hastings theorises that if he jumped in a fast car, he mm. could have grabbed the miniatures and headed straight down to Windermere to sell them before the coach arrived. So that's how he got the person got there super quick. That's Hastings' theory. Yeah. So basically what he's saying now is that it must have been that guy, the one who apparently took the wrong case. He must have made off with the miniatures. He had a moustache. He got ahead there in a fast car. He went across the lake, disguised as an old lady, yes. sold the miniatures to Mr. Wood, took his money, and off he's gone. So now the hunt is on for Mr. Moustache. Mr. Moustache. That's a great supervillain name, I would be, wouldn't it? <laughs> One day we'll write that. After Potterton Creek. <laughs> we've, got, we've got a very busy few years ahead of us, it seems. Yes, we have. But meanwhile, while all this is going on, Poirot is still refusing to get involved because he's still having a little bit of a sulk. Mm. But he can't resist pointing out one little fact to Hastings just to get him on the right track where he says... Hastings, mm? the fact that the ferryman picked her up at the station does not necessarily mean that she got off a train. Then Hastings returns to Redburn with the police because he says to to solve the crime, he needs to reconstruct the day. Mm. And lo and behold, just as they're arriving, who happens to drive past in the bloody car? Mr. Mustachio. <laughs> See, supervillain, cross-dressing, <laughs> moustached uh, miniature thief with a very mysterious blonde lady that we saw earlier on as well, who they throughout the episode have been having phone calls about something that they're involved in that sounds very mysterious very shifty hastings give chase after a a good i'd say a good breakneck car chase they run mr mustachio and um the blonde what's her name the yellow-haired hussy off the road (laughs) (laughs) they crash into a hay bale they've done it they've caught they've caught the miscreants so they uh the police swarm over to them are dragging them out the field and then you get this (laughs) this amazing line of dialogue (laughs) I did post on Twitter a few days ago, but we'll have it again right now. I can't have enough of that. <laughs> Why can't you leave me alone? Don't you know what it's like to love a man? Well, uh, no, uh, not exactly. Sergeant? <laughs> it is too, it's too adorable. Flustered Hastings. <laughs> it's too sweet. Well, unfortunately, it's a lie now as well, because he does know what it's like. Oh, oh well, apparently not if he's trying to divorce you. It doesn't matter. We had that time. I think he's ready to go back to women now. (laughs) And I will happily take your sloppy seconds. (laughs) Anyway, I hope he never listens to these episodes. (laughs) You'll never come back, will he? (laughs) I think he's saying all kinds of things about me and I can't stop. They've implied I had a sexual relationship with them both. With a chap. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, uh, not exactly. (laughs) Um, So uh, the mustachio man is marched straight to see Mr. Wood because Mr. Wood obviously can identify the mustachioed old lady. Um, He looks the man up and down, says, nope, that's not him. So they say, why, it must be his yellow-haired companion then. So they march her in and he looks at her and says, nope, not her either. And Hastings says, are you sure? And he's like, nope. Imagine her as a woman. Imagine him as a woman. Imagine her with a big moustache, like a blotchy face and all that, like really unattractive, all of that stuff. Mm. But then he does recognise it, isn't he? Wait a minute. Oh, no. That's Lady Amanda Mannerly. Who? Why don't you guys read the papers? I mean, she's eloping with that novelist, um, Norton Kane. Are you Norton Kane? So basically, this whole there's been a, a clever bit of subterfuge uh, going on by the writers, where they have been involved in their own completely separate storyline, where hmm. the the yellow-haired hussy, who we can now apologise for calling her that because she's actually a lady, uh, the lady Amanda Manderley, uh, she is a, an heiress of sorts, and she is on the run to elope with her bad boy, mis- poor moustached boyfriend, 
Mr. Moustache, a.k.a. Norton Kane, the novelist. So she's got her own issues going on. There's nothing to do with this miniatures case. They just happen mm. to be on the same bus at the same time. So whoopsie. I'm counting three sins so far. I mean, oh. the stealing of the miniatures, the, uh, the selling of the miniatures. Now there's the um, elopement. I mean, we're on for four sins. I would call this the Kit Kat sin. The Kit Kat sin. <laughs> the family multi-pack Kit Kat sin. Rolls yeah. off the tongue. Yeah, you're right. This, this, this is a very sinful episode, it's everyone. It's yeah. It's scintillating. Ooh, even better. <laughs> it's sensational. <laughs> I'll stop now. <laughs> For the three people that are still listening, I'm very sorry. <laughs> So um, Hastings goes back to Poirot, who, you know, has been largely absent for this episode because he is so depressed and he's in the doldrums and he's at the end of his day and he's middle-aged and he's <laughs> tired and he's had enough and he seems to be very bitter about something. And Hastings makes uh, a comment. He says, if Norton Kane wasn't the old woman with the moustache, who was? And Poirot snaps back. You have done your best, Hastings. The renowned Chief Inspector Jap would have given up long ago and there seems to be some real animosity um and hastings asks you're not jealous for it, are you chaffing asked to get these lectures you jealous non de dieu of what interest is it to poirot the whitcomb institution for women huh if it was a royal society now uh, but then i hardly think the chief inspector job would be invited by the royal society it is only the institution for women at Wickham and such places that they will listen to the Chief Inspector Jap claiming the cases of a Cuparo for his own. Oh, I'm sure Jap wouldn't do that. Hastings, can we please talk of something else? The renowned Chief Inspector Jap is of no interest. No, thank you. Poirot dismisses it as nonsense that he would ever be jealous of Jaff. Anyway, it's time to go to bed. <laughs> so stop. Everyone's going straight to bed and no one leaves their rooms, okay? Deal. Good. So, <laughs> because Hastings, you're going to go see Miss Darcy tomorrow. Not suspicious tomorrow. at all. No, no, definitely lock your door and do not look out of any windows at any point. Great. Mm. Because perhaps there is potentially a reason why Poirot is being a little bit, bit weird about this. It's because he's going to sneak out and he's going to go watch Jap give his lecture because he can't mm. resist, can he? He has to know exactly mm. what uh, Jap is going to say. Uh, and he is potentially worse than Miss Durrant at being incognito at this point because mm-hmm. he draws yeah. attention to himself at every single point while he's trying to sneak along <laughs> to watch the uh, the lecture. Now, this upcoming scene is probably in my top three moments of yeah. Poirot all time. It's, you know, it's, it's slightly amusing. It's not one of those laugh out loud funny things, but it is one of the most affecting little moments. And it's it's not in the short story I checked. Um, so this is complete invention by the writers, and it's perfect. Do you want to describe oh, what's happening? Well, Jap, Jap's giving a speech, isn't he? To Jap's this, giving you know, his lecture. Poirot snuck backstage to listen to it, and mm. he his timing is impeccable because it's at this exact moment that Inspector Jap is saying, oh, there's nothing worse than the amateur sleuth, and even worse than that is the professional private detective. So you see Poirot's face just drop at that. He's appalled. And we can see now why he's been so butthurt throughout the entire episode. Jap's been on this lecture tour denouncing the fact that private detectives are worth anything and denouncing any kind of help he might have had in the past. He's slagging off private detectives and he's claiming all of these so-called victories that he's had for himself. That's what Poirot thinks. And then... I have been fortunate in my career in that many, indeed perhaps most, of my cases have been shared with that most extraordinary of private detectives. And, if I may borrow a word from his own native tongue, that doyenne of the Belgian police force, Monsieur Hercule Poirot. I think I may say, without fear of contradiction, that Hercule Poirot has one of the most original minds of the 20th century. Intelligent, brave, sensitive, devastatingly quick. Hercule Poirot stands head and shoulders above any other detective of my considerable experience. my god i I cried my eyes out watching that scene 
and it's just I do so every single time. Done. It's mm. and not only is it beautifully done, but it just I it's so authentic. You really believe it. Like Jap is not mm. a feelings guy, but he loves Borrow and he respects him so much. And oh my god, it's just. It's so beautiful. The best thing about it is, all the way through the episode, whenever Poirot and Jap have sort of been in the same scene, Poirot's been appalling to him and tra- has, has treated him like the, the dirt on his shoe. Mm. And Jap's mystified, but just sort of thinks, well, perhaps he's in a bad mood, just gets on with his day. Yeah. Jap doesn't know that Poirot's stood backstage and he owes him nothing. In fact, he could be a little bit sniffy if he wanted to be about the fact that Poirot's treated him so badly. But he doesn't. He chooses to be a noble, gentle, um, like, it's just a beautiful, beautiful moment. It's so good and it's so well done. It's, it's also a perfect moment because there's a bit where he gives a speech and they cut to the crowd and they're all clapping and applauding and, you know, Poirot's really happy. But then there's one bit of audio that really jumped out to me because you can hear someone in the crowd say, Belgian, as they nod to the person next to them. And it really made me laugh. <laughs> oh, Belgian. No, foreigners can do it too. That's great. Well, in the wake of this event... Poirot seems a lot more enthusiastic, shall we say, towards yes. the case. He suddenly... Back, baby. ...are revived. He's back. And you know what? I might actually help you out with this case after all, because, you know, you might need a detective, and we all know how great they are, right, guys? Reaffirmed his position in the world. Mm. And another thing that reaffirms Poirot's mastery, there's a very interesting sequence I'd love to get your thoughts on. Nothing to do with the mystery at all, but... We're going back to Miss Lemon. The dream. For the dream kind of thought sequence that I can think was only directed by David Lynch to get the true weirdness <laughs> vibes in it. Did it not have Twin Peaks kind of resonance for you? Totally, yeah. If anyone's seen the dream sequence from Vertigo, you know where James yes. Stewart's face is in the middle of the screen Ooh. and there's sort of like these whirly bits going on behind. It's that kind of effect. But what they do is they take the voice of, say, Poirot and they have it coming from Miss Lemon's mouth and they have the... With Hastings and... Yeah. Yeah, they swapple the voice around. It's a bit of a mind f- It's very weird. It's very <laughs> random in the episode. But I think it's yeah. kind of indicative of Miss Lemon, because she's lost her keys. She's not left Whitehaven for days because mm. she can't lock the door, presumably. So she's like, <laughs> and she's losing her mind, panicking, because she can't tell Poirot she's lost her keys. So she's no. perhaps a little bit tired, a little bit delirious. And she's not, we've all been there when, you, when you've lost something and it's driving you crazy. Like that's what the point she's at. So I can only think... It's some weird and delirium-induced meltdown <laughs> that Miss Lemon has. I say, Miss Lemon, I'm fearfully worried about the keys. Order and method, Miss Lemon. Order and method. The Lagonda's got a hole in it, Miss Lemon. The fill is on fire and the keys are bent. Centenaire. Deux garçons sur le feu de joie. It's very odd, but but very entertaining as well. But anyway, mm. it inspires her to recreate her steps from the, the day that she lost the keys. And lo and behold, my God, the dicker, she found them in the fruit Order bowl. Order and method, Miss Lemon. Order and method. And she's, she's <laughs> like, oh man, the system works. This is great. So yeah, Poirot is, uh, he's still got it, baby. There's no denying it. Mm-hmm. He's here to stay. Or at least another... Uh, I don't know, what, 60 episodes at this point. <laughs> so, thank God. We then go to uh, the Durant, Durant, sorry, Durant yep. uh, antique shop. And um, they tell Miss Durant and her aunt that the miniatures have been recovered, um, but they can't retrieve them because they are stolen property. Someone stole them and sold them to Mr. Wood. There's going to be a court case, and what will probably happen is that the miniatures will be returned to them, and then uh, Mr. Wood will be the one that's out of pocket unless they catch the miscreant and they, you know, manage to get the money back from him. So Hastings has his first eureka moment. Oh, my God. What is it, Captain Hastings? I've got it. I've got it. I've got it. Miss Penn, I can get your miniatures back. You may be able to help, too. Ding. Yeah, it's very exciting. Hastings runs away and Poirot's trying to keep up. Bless him. Be like, Hastings, Hastings. He's like, oh, I'll see you at the hotel later, Poirot. And I don't know if this is where we should cut off for the denouement because we've got some twists and turns ahead. Mm-hmm. A couple, yeah. I would I would call this a double denouement. <laughs> a d- d- double more, potentially. I think so. Yeah, I think we should um, just say that 
Hastings arranges for Mr. Wood, Miss Durant and her aunt, Jack Poirot himself, everyone involved with the case mm-hmm. to meet for, is it breakfast they're having or brunch or something? Something. A nice, little, a nice yeah. bit of food. Some sandwiches are involved for sure. Yeah, because Hastings has an hypothesis about what's actually happened. And yeah, you're right. I think we need to break it off there. We shouldn't probably say what it's going to be. So 40 and a half minutes in, yeah. I would say, give it a pause. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> yeah, so interesting episode for a few reasons, Adam. Mm-hmm. But what well, first of all, what's your sick burn? I like it's not really a sick burn, but I do like the whole don't you know what it's like to love a man? <laughs> it's very, very good. <laughs> That's my favourite. My favourite unexpected well, there's a couple actually that I'd like to shout out. <laughs> the first one is right at the beginning of the episodes when they're in the park and it's raining and Poirot's in such a bad mood and he just starts slamming on fountains. <laughs> Because Hastings is like, beautiful fountain, isn't it? He's like, it's feeble, Hastings. Fountains used to be more artistic too. Ooh, fountain burn. Didn't, <laughs> wasn't expecting that. And the other one is when Hastings is at Whitehaven and he's telling Miss Lemon that he's very concerned about Poirot. And, I like this one as well. <laughs> yeah, Miss Lemon says that somebody's called him middle-aged, which as we've established already is damn defensive. You're damned offensive. But then, but then Hastings says... Well, he's always been middle-aged. Have you seen that photograph of him at his christening? I know. He looks as though he's about to address a board meeting. So I would pay any amount of money to have that picture in my possession. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I tell both kidneys, if need be, whatever it takes. We could blackmail David Suchet coming into the show. How? What, how? What have we got on him? <laughs> if he had to make that picture. <laughs> oh, <is it? laughs> damn! <laughs> Defensive. Okay, so so that's your your sick burn is a more just adorable mm. moment. But what do you rate this episode, Adam? Um, it's it's a lot of fun. In fact, on the fun factor, I'd probably give it a seven. That's that's good. It's a good old romp, isn't it? And it's nice to see Hastings in the driving seat, literally, literally <laughs> and figuratively, when it comes to driving the mystery, because. He does all the things that I would probably do, and he has all the ideas that I would probably have. It's just a shame that we're both so stupid. (laughs) So, yeah, it's a a good, fun one, and it's one I remember fondly. Mystery-wise, I'd probably give this one an eight. It's quite clever. It's In fact, it's very clever, and we'll get to the denouement soon, and as you say, there is a bit of a twist upon a twist. I like it. I think as as a criminal plan, I think it's very clever for someone to have come up with it. Um, yeah, like seven slash eight for me on the old mystery scale. Interesting. The way it's presented in an episode. How about you? Uh, yeah, fun factor. I really enjoyed it. Uh, and there's and, and not only for the fun, but for the heart in this one, for the Jap speech uh, alone, that deserves oh a God. ten. So mm, yeah, yeah, I would probably agree with the seven on that one because it is yeah, it's, it's a good one. It's a good. It's a perfect Sunday afternoon one. That one. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. Yeah. And the scenery is lovely as well. So it's Beautiful. one of those ones where you watch it. It's like um, Peril at End House. You like yeah. look out over the vistas and Lake Windermere and the bus ride going along the little lanes and everything. Very, it's very cute. Mm. Uh, Mystery-wise, I, I, it is clever, but not. I don't. I personally don't believe it's worth an eight. That's just my mm. opinion. Uh, mm. I, I would give it probably a six to seven uh, because it, it is clever, but I, I was able to solve this one. Um, which we can talk about more after the music, but it's good. It's a solid, it's a solid one. This, this, as we've said before, this is a solid series, series two. It's, you know, really good, well-constructed stories. So I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. I like the, I like the um, misdirection. Yes. I like the misdirection of uh, Norton Kane and his, uh, yes. his fiance to be. I think that's very clever. And I think the way it's set up, I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of the, the mystery in, in this one. It's total Agatha Christie. It's great. Yes. Well, mm. what did you think, listener, at home? What would your rating be for this episode? Tell us. Email us at bonjourdelabosavercule.com uh, or send us a message on social media because I'm curious to hear your thoughts. Mm, me too. <laughs> well, good. Fine. I'll have to share them with you too then. <laughs> Please do. Podcast. It's called okay. uh, Podathan Creek. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh wow i reckon we can get alan davis involved anyway mm. that's a separate thing <laughs> great yes well um go away and solve it go or... away <laughs> solve yeah, it go away <laughs> leave us alone <laughs> there are any of you left they've left go away and solve it <laughs> yeah i know they did yeah we're just uh shouting into a drum <laughs> <laughs> 
Yes, anyway, go and have fun with it, and um, if you want to hear us babbling on about the genouement, then uh, join us after the music. But for now, au revoir. Au revoir. Welcome back to Twixcast. Kitcastcast. Kitcast. Kitcast. Oh wow! Is that just a confection-based podcast? How would that Kitcast. So many football fans will be tuning in and being disappointed. <laughs> and that is really what I I live for is disappointing football fans in my life. So perfect. But no, we're here to talk about double sin. Mm. And yeah. uh, I don't think we should reveal just who it was just yet because yeah. Hastings has his own ideas, doesn't he? So let's uh, let's see what Hastings thinks. As soon as I said it, I knew. Who knew Miss Durrant was on her the miniatures? Who could have found out she'd be stopping at Redburn at lunchtime? And who had a fast car to get into Windermere? I don't know. Jay Baker would himself, of course. Really? I don't believe any woman ever came to see him. I think he went to Redburn and stole the miniatures himself. What about the ferryman? Well, all he said was he'd picked up a woman at the station and taken her to the Lake Hotel. I imagine he takes a dozen women a day to the Lake Hotel. So, yeah, Hastings has got a little plan. Mm. And this plan is so perfectly Hastings, right? Because he thinks that Mr Wood will feel so ashamed of the fact that not only has he stolen from a very lovely lady, but also a woman in a wheelchair. So surely the guilt will be so much that he'll feel so bad about it that he'll just confess to the whole thing. You see, Wood has never met Miss Penn or Miss Durrant. I've asked him to come over from Windermere. Now, when he sees this beautiful young girl and her aunt in a wheelchair... What? He's going to feel pretty damn small, I can tell you. Really? Oh, yes. I mean, even a hardened criminal like him isn't entirely without a heart, Jap. Once this poor wheelchair-bound little old lady is wheeled up in front of him and starts to eat her kedgeree, or rabbit de liege, <laughs> he'll be so ashamed of himself for having committed insurance fraud that he will throw himself upon her mercy, return her miniatures, and probably give her the money as well. Of course. Anyway, that's his plan. <laughs> so, we get uh, a lovely set-up restaurant where the police are sat at neighbouring tables, looking <laughs> yes. on very conspicuously. Are they not Thompson and Thompson from Tintin? They really are. They really <laughs> are. Like, slightly older, slightly more middle-aged versions, but perfect. <laughs> yeah, Mr Wood's car has broken down, but he's on his way. Miss Durrant and her aunt Elizabeth arrive, and they take their seats, and uh, everything's very genteel. Then uh, Mr Wood shows up, and sits down, glances over, and does he feel ashamed? Well, let's see, shall we? I don't think you've met Miss Durrant. How do you do? I feel unwell, Mary. And Miss Penn. <clears throat> Look, this is all very nice, but I didn't... No, I've never met Mr Wood. We've only... Mr Wood. Come along, Mary. My aunt isn't feeling well. Hold on, hold on. Mademoiselle Penn. How did you know it was Monsieur Wood, Mademoiselle Penn? Nobody has mentioned his name. Well, I didn't. I just... just... You could not possibly have known him. Not unless it was you who took the 1,500 pounds from him for the miniatures. I was, sir. Made up to look like a frump. But it was her. Made up to make everybody else think that it was a man dressed as a woman. N'est-ce pas, Mademoiselle Penn? You thought that you would keep the money and get back the miniatures as stolen property. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> Plot twist, double twist, baby. Mm. Because Elizabeth, I think I'm gonna. Have, this is where it gets a little bit annoying for me. For a criminal mastermind, she has zero chill. <laughs> she like the second she sees him, she's like, "Well, I've never seen Mister Wood before in my life, so goodness me, time to go. Come on, Miss Durrant." <laughs> it's like, "What? No one even said anything to you yet, Elizabeth. What are you talking about?" And right no. away, basically gives the whole game away. Oh, that's Miss that's Miss Penn for you. <laughs> yeah, seriously. That's Aunt Elizabeth. She's a crazy old woman. Anyway, yes. So what's happened is Aunt Elizabeth was the old lady who showed up at Mr. Wood's house with the miniatures. The miniatures never left 
left Aunt Elizabeth. They were with her all the time. Miss Durrant's job was to get on the bus, talk loudly about how she had some miniatures in her case, talk loudly to everyone, so that when they went missing, Poirot or whoever was around at the time would think, well, it's probably your fault, my dear, for having Mm -hmm. babbled off so much. Um, So, yes, the whole thing was a plan by the two ladies, which I kind of like. Yeah, man. International Women's Day. (laughs) I know. It's an aunt and a niece. Like, yeah. I'll tell you what, let's do a bit of crime. (laughs) I love that. Go, girls. Yes, queen. Their whole plan was they take the miniatures to uh, Mr. Wood. They get paid for them. Uh, Then Mr. Wood has them confiscated because they're reported as stolen property, and they are then returned to the ladies. So they don't just get the money. They get the miniatures back as well. They could probably sell them to him again or sell them to someone else or pull the same crime again. That is their plan. It's a rather clever one. I like it. You could call it a double sin. You could. In fact, they did. (laughs) Very much so. (laughs) They sinned like crazy. Uh, So, yes, but not just that. Aunt Elizabeth was blooming only pretended to be disabled as well. Yes. She should have tried to wheel herself away, I think. (laughs) Then when they stopped her, she could have just kicked one of them in the ghoulies and made run for it. It's the fact that she gets up and, and, by the way, makes the slowest getaway of all time. She sort of she walks towards a pillar. Someone goes, well, her muscle, her muscles are probably atrophied from being in the wheelchair for so long. What, for the last fifteen minutes. Yeah, and my favourite, and we'll talk about in a minute. One of the, the things I have the issues I have about that, but right, but when they're arriving at the hotel, they even she forgets some poor doorman to carry her in on her wheelchair because the 1930s were not wheelchair accessible as we know as a as an era uh, but yeah these these men probably watching her try and run away be like bloody cheat we lifted you in you could have walked like if i was the, the uh, <laughs> doorman i'd be furious what a woman yeah <laughs> yep so there's your solution and yeah. then we get a beautiful, beautiful final moment. Which, yes. Uh, yeah, do you want to describe? <laughs> yes. Can I just say, before we get to the, the beautiful final mm. moment. Yeah, so that was one of the reasons for me why I kind of twigged that she was involved in some way because they really, met throughout the episode, make a thing about the fact that Aunt Elizabeth mm. is in a wheelchair, she can't walk, and, you know, uh, right before she completely crumbles and l- the mask slips, she says... Oh, you know, you learn patience from being in a wheelchair and all this kind of thing. Mm. And it's like, mm, all right, love. Like, you know, obviously, I have not, I do not doubt for a second that if you're in a wheelchair, it's quite a big part of your life, obviously. Mm. But the way that they position it, you make you made me think anyway. Okay, they they also uh, Miss Durrant makes a point earlier on that she can't travel because she's like this old infirm lady. And, you know, methinks the lady doth protest too much a bit. So that's why I was instantly a bit suspicious of, of those two together. Uh, mm. So that was my issue with that. But yeah. I think you should talk about the beautiful final moment. What happens is as they're leaving the hotel to go back to uh, their lives and, uh, yeah, back to our hearts, uh, a clipping falls out. Is it Poirot's wallet? The man from the restaurant runs up to Poirot and says, oh, you dropped your receipt, sir. You forgot your receipt. He's like, oh, thank you very much. And as he does that, a a piece of paper falls out of Poirot's wallet. And then... (laughs) Allow me, Poirot. There's something about you here, Jap. Chief Inspector Jap to speak in North Country Lecture Tour. You knew. That's why you dragged me all the way up here. No, no. It was the other side I was interested in. I did not know that... Learn to speak French like a Frenchman? In Belgium, Hastings, it is considered quite bad form to read another person's newspaper cuttings. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, turns out... Poirot did know about Jap's lecture tour. <laughs> Surprise, And perhaps that's why he suggested that he and Hastings go to that particular location on their little holiday together. <laughs> yep. But the cover-up that he tries to give for it. <laughs> it's the most perfect, it's the most perfect, you know, comeback, really, isn't it? Because um, <laughs> as we know, he's viciously Belgian. <laughs> Aggressively Belgian. Yeah. Man. Aggressively Belgian. <laughs> so, uh, yes, uh, it's great to have that. For him. What you, yeah, it's a great episode, isn't it? It's, it's a, really a lovely. Yeah, and the ending is so beautiful and perfect. And mm-hmm. they, they, they all get into the car together and they drive back to Whitehaven. And, mm-hmm. As oh, they should. As they should. Beautiful. What a fun, <laughs> what a fun time we had. And 
Yeah, I love I love grumpy Poirot and his little mm. little sulks that he had throughout the episode, and then <laughs> realizing that he was really loved after all. Love wins. Amazing. Love wins all the time. Always. <laughs> oh, that was fun. It was double sin go away and enjoy it and let us know what you thought of double sin uh you can email us at bonjour at the labors of com, or you can get in touch on our socials instagram and twitter all of them well no that's just yeah. those two yes just those two <laughs> <laughs> all two we haven't got any tiktok dances for you to look at or anything no, so don't worry it's the twix of social media <laughs> hey <Right>. adam <laughs> What's our next episode? It's The Adventure of the Cheap Flat. Interesting. Yes, the next episode is The Adventure of the Cheap Flat. Interesting episode. And we have another guest coming on, don't we? Yes, hopefully. If we can figure it out. <laughs> All will be revealed. It's not one of the white heaven for. Yeah, can... yeah, don't get excited. <laughs> before we get rabid. <laughs> don't be excited because it's a very good guest, but it's not yes. It's not one of them. <laughs> Podcasting legend. Um, yes, he'll be coming on to talk about uh, the adventure of the cheap flat. And we're looking forward to that very much. But uh, until next time, it's been a pleasure, Frankie. Thank you very much for this time. And uh, thank you very much for Double Sin. Pleasure is all mine. Thank you for this double decker of decadent... Nope, stop it. Uh, episode. It's been very <laughs> silly and lots of fun, as always. So... Yes, it is. <laughs> but until next time, thank you all for joining us and au revoir. Au revoir. If you'd like to keep up to date with what we're doing or get in touch with us, you can follow us on Twitter at Labours Hercule. We're also on Instagram if you like pictures at Labours of Hercule. And if you were born in the 1920s yourself, then you can be all old-fashioned and email us at bonjour at thelaboursofhercule.com. That's it from us. See you next time. Au revoir, mes amis. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.